Thank you for tuning in to Humble Hermeneutic, a Jew 3 Project podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Jew 3 Project and is made possible by generous supporters like you. If you would like to become a monthly supporter of the Jew 3 Project or give a one-time gift, you can do so at Jew3Project.org. Or you can take our online courses or get our curriculum at Jew3Project.org as well. And we also have merch available. I hope you enjoy this episode with Yana Connor and Dr. Cynthia James. And I hope that you develop a humble hermeneutic. Well, friends, we are looking at a different New Testament text this time, and I'm trusting and hope that uh, as we listen to Miss Donna Connor, and as you are examining the word with us, that we'll hear the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Our attention is turned to the gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter, and uh, this is a New English version, beginning at verse 23. Hear this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he was not able to pay, his master ordered that he be sold with his wife, their children, and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, pleading with him, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. I'll pause and perhaps Ms. Connor will take us from there. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from the heart. Wow. I'm yeah. already convicted. Okay. When, when you said forgive, I was handling But when you said from the heart, I said, ouch. Ouch. <laughs> this is a marvelous passage. And I think it, um, in an unusual way, brings together some of the things that we've talked about before. So we just may see the shadows of those texts falling uh, on these lines. Um, I'm not sure where we want to start, but it is a parable. So it is given to us as a saying of Jesus, as something to point to something larger. It is to uh, be a signpost to uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we're very uh, accustomed to symbols and metaphors and all of our listeners are. And so it's a straightforward uh, story and stories uh, pull out stories in us. And that's the beauty of parables. Jesus is telling a story to make several points. 
And he begins, and I'll start it. Maybe we just go verse by verse. Is that all sure. right? That's fine with me. Um, he, he, he's giving an analogy. He says the kingdom of heaven. In other words, this is this is the view of the world uh, from God's point of view, not mm-hmm. just heaven above the skies, but the order of things above the earth, on the earth, and all that exists. He says, so think of it like a king. So that's somebody with authority and sovereignty who wanted to settle accounts, which was his authority. I mean, his right. He had a right to say, okay, let me see its evaluation. We'll do 360 evaluation of people and activities and see who's taking money and who's who's coming to work and who's not. He wanted to sell account with his slaves. And don't get hung up on slaves. Let's think more in terms of those who are uh, responsible to him. When he began, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase it in my words, when he began taking these accounts, one of the people who had to come before him owed him a lot of money. So he was clearing his debt, 10,000 talents. And I haven't done the research right now to say what that is in our currency, but it's a lot. And particularly in that day. And this man could not pay. And who doesn't have loans, student loans they can't pay? Who didn't no, get Lord. your credit card and can't pay them? Not that you didn't need it, but you know, let's be honest. Sometimes it's a financial debt. Sometimes it's a service debt we owe someone. Someone has done something really nice for us. And it, it's time for us to think in terms of what we can do for them as well. So he's in his debt, 10,000 talents deep. And this king was really um, within his rights, but this seems a little far reaching. This is like having an ounce of some drug and getting a long-term sentence for it. Um, he says to him, he's going to be sold. So he's really going into some kind of slavery and his wife is going to be slow and his children uh, and all that he has is going to be captured. is going into foreclosure and payment will be made. So for this huge debt, he's going to have a comparable huge loss. And this man um, fell, falls down and he pleads. And how many times do we say, Lord, just help me get out of this. Help me pay this debt. Help me settle this account. Help me, you know, just get me through this. It, it was made, but I'm just not able. And it sounds like he was willing. I don't have anything in the scripture that says he was negligent in trying to pay. We don't know. But he, he pleaded. He did obeisance. Um, and so that is a humility, feigned or otherwise. It was some indication of humility. Uh, and this is humble hermeneutic that you have tuned into. And he said, have patience. There's our pivotal word. He is asking, how many times do I, I tell God, God, you're patient. So please have, I don't know why I look up when I talk about God. So mm-hmm. please have patience with my impatience, mm-hmm. knowing that I am impatient. I'm asking God to be patient until I can come out of my impatience and be more like him. Ridiculous prayer, but it's it's transparent in my case. Have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And the person he's appealing to, the king, was moved by compassion. When we hear that, we automatically think of all those uh, uh, verses in the Synoptic Gospels where Jesus would look on the multitude and where he would be moved uh, by compassion, which is a deep stirring. And he released him. And releasing him, he released him. He released his wife and he's releasing the subsequent generation. So mm-hmm. debt, uh, it, it, a lack of accountability. Let's take it out of finances. And my generation uh, has impinges on the liberty of future generations. Um, and 
getting debt relieved, whether it's emotional, financial, or whatever, being in the clear uh, also has positive consequences for subsequent generations. So we want to notice that what happens to this man uh, spills over on his spouse, uh, not but just not just his what is his immediate household, but those who would be the leaders following him. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you want to comment on those because there's much yeah. more, I'm sure, before we go any further. And then maybe I mean, he'll he, take us further. Yeah, I mean, he owes a debt that he cannot pay. And if I look at the, the, the uh, footer of my Bible, it tells me that, uh, you know, what he owed was, uh, was what would be considered today 20 years uh, worth of wages um, for labor. And so he's he. I mean, he really in the hole yeah, he, <laughs> here. And you have to wonder: was he derelict to get that far behind, or catastrophic illness? You know, things can yeah. happen. Yeah. So he's really in the hole. And and I wanted to come back to like, why is Jesus even telling this parable? Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, like he's telling this parable because right before these verses, um, Jesus says he get he's giving some instruction about how to handle conflict. He says. You know, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him privately. And then if he doesn't listen to you, go and grab, you know, one or two others who can maybe compel him to repent. And then if he doesn't, then, you know, bring him in front of the whole church um, uh, to do that. And so he's setting up sort of some some uh, a system for how to 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 have healthy conf conflict within the church. And then Peter, you know, good old Peter comes with this yeah. question and he says, Peter. You know, well, Lord, you know, wait a minute. How many times <laughs> am I supposed to forgive somebody? Because at some point, you know, it just seems stupid to just keep forgiving someone for doing the same thing over and over and over again. I love your theology right there. Stupid. I mean, <laughs> I resonate with that. It is. It's, it's nothing else you can call it. Good theology. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's illogical. It <laughs> you know, <laughs> like who keeps putting their hand in a fire? After they yeah. get burnt, you know, it's like this person mm -hmm. hurt me once, you know, uh, my, you know, my, my mental, <laughs> my, uh, my conscience tells me to not do that again, because it mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense to put myself in harm's way. Right. And we all have these defense mechanisms that are just built within us that, that try to protect us, uh, when someone hurts us. But I love how you, you set it up. Like, you know, Jesus is 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 putting before them how things work in the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he's 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 showing them uh, what the world is supposed to be like from God's point of view, um, and so it makes me think about you know in um, in the the parable uh, or not the parable, but the Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Plain, however you feel, um, where he says, you know, you've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, right, you can just put in parentheses there in the kingdom of God. If someone yes. slaps you on your your right cheek, offer them your left. Um, or if, I don't know which cheek he started with, but you get the point. Right. I do. Um, I do. And and the thing that Jesus is saying is like you, you know, that seems really stupid. Like if somebody slaps you on one cheek to offer them your other cheek. But. But Jesus is saying, no, offer them another opportunity to do something differently. And so here it is. We see 
you know, Jesus Paul or Peter asked this question, you know, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? You know, like seven, that seems like a good number. That's the number of completion. So seven times, right, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, 70 times 70, which implies infinity to infinity and beyond. <laughs> you know, like you are to extend forgiveness. And then Jesus tells a parable to explain why we should uh, forgive others 70 times 70. So he talks about this, this, this servant who had this uh, huge debt that he owed and how his master forgave him of that debt. Um, and we see that the consequences, right? Like just as you said, was that his his wife, his children and everything he had would be sold in order to fulfill that debt. And so he pleads with his master to be patient with them and, and, and his master chooses to do that, right? He chooses to do that. So he's relieved of his debt. And so here it is, he owed the the master 10,000 talents, but then he has a fellow servant. I love when it says fellow servant. I, I'll say why later. A fellow servant who who owed him a hundred denarii. And what does he do? He doesn't show him compassion. He doesn't, you know, uh respond to his plea to be patient. Instead, he grabs this man by his neck, chokes him. And says, pay me what you owe, <laughs> you know, pay me what you owe me. Uh, and and then he he has this man put into prison, which is funny to me that he hasn't put into prison. And it says, like, uh, put him into prison until he can pay back what he owes. Now, how he going to pay his debt in prison? <laughs> that, that don't make no sense. Wow. <laughs> Can't pay your, bet, your, your debt in prison. You just in prison. Right. And so uh, that's illogical in and of itself. But I love that it says fellow servant because it seems as though there's supposed to be some sort of camaraderie between these two servants, right? They're in the same predicament, right? Uh, they're on the same playing field. Uh, but yet, instead of him having compassion towards him, he chokes him by his neck. And so apparently he doesn't see anything wrong with what with what he did, but everyone around him sees what's wrong uh, with what he did. It, it reminds me of a song by uh, Jill Scott. Now I'll just go ahead and say- That's know, in right? my hymnal, right? <laughs> That's in your hymnal. Yes, Okay, okay I'm with you. It's in your hymnal. And so, you know, I'm not recommending you, you know, go, you know, put I, Jill Scott- I need it. it. I need it. I'll find it and listen to it. Tell me about it. But she has this song and it's just an interlude and she's just singing over and over again. You want something uh, that you're not willing to be. Like you want something from me that you're not willing like to be. And so it's like this hypocrisy, right? I want you to uh, scratch my back, but I'm not going to scratch your back. You know, mm. I want you uh, to love me in the way that I want to be loved, but I'm not going to love you in the way that, that you want to be loved. And then, so it's here. I want forgiveness, but I'm not going to offer forgiveness. Wow. Um, and, and we see that Jesus is saying like, hey, if I forgive you 70 times 70 to infinity and beyond because of your sin and because your transgression is towards me, how much more should you extend forgiveness to those who transgress against you? Like how, how much more? Uh, it's, it's this, 
it's this, I don't want to use, I don't want to cheapen it by saying it, but it's this paying it forward, you know, kind of thing. It's like to, to give to others what I, I have received. And so the master, you know, rightly so is angry with uh, his servant for behaving um, this way. And because of that, he puts him in jail and he's tortured. And then this last verse uh, where it says, so also uh, my heavenly father will do to you unless, excuse me, every one of you forgives his brother and sister from your heart. And, and this is convicting to me because I'm like, I don't think we, I don't think I or us as a church, as believers, that we take forgiveness as seriously as God takes forgiveness. I mean, yeah. it literally says, you know, uh, if you don't forgive others as I've forgiven you, like you, you won't have any part among me. That there's something in the DNA of being a Christian that because you are forgiven, you forgive. Like it's just a it's a one plus two kind of thing. You can't have one with without without the other. So um, I don't know. What what are some of your thoughts, Dr. Cynthia? Well, I usually react to your thoughts. I love your thoughts. Um, and what you're describing for me is a level of reciprocity. Mm. Um, that's not only in this text, but it's expectation that comes out of reciprocity. Uh, we had um, either Jonah did not want reciprocity for the Ninevites. Uh, Haman did not want Mordecai to be honored, uh, even though he thought he was deserving. Esther was reluctant to share the see others have a liberty, even though she had arrived at a place of liberty and comfort, not her own mm -hmm. doing. Uh, to whom much is given, much is required, is, is what I heard um, mm -hmm. as you were talking. I was hearing that scripture as well. Um, this, um, this unlimited grace, mm -hmm. as you call infinity, this, this um, extravagant grace and mercy of God that we cannot uh, reach in, in accuracy, but that we must emulate. Uh, and I hope I don't sound too churchy or religious, but uh, it's the only terms I have. So you help me. To do this, there must be a formation. There mm -hmm. must be, as you say, maybe we don't take forgiveness as seriously. It may not be your exact words, but see it as God sees it. So mm -hmm. somehow I need to have in me the God kind of metric, even if I can't meet it all, where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to reconcile and extend forgiveness uh, in a way that emulates the way God does. So it's, it's, it's a need to not just say it, but to have it formed and in, incarnated in me. Um, I, I want to jump around. You were talking about the other cheek, and I was going, thank goodness I only got two. So because I, I would miss that rule real fast. And I'm I'm stressed to offer my second cheek to anybody. But I think what, that might be a place we don't want to be quite as literal mm -hmm. because um, and this is the depth of where we wrestle. I have no answers here. Just share how I explore it. When it comes to forgiveness, I think I can forgive, but I don't have to put myself at the same risk. If you beat me up, I don't have no intention to stay in there and get my head abused and living in domestic violence because I'm a Christian and I'm forgiven. I can give you over there and I'm going to be over here and you may not ever see me again. 
but I'm not going to let your violation become a, a crippling, minimizing factor in my growth. That's how I'm looking at forgiveness. So I just don't want someone to hear us and run away with it and say, okay, I got to put myself back at that same risk again. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and I, I underscore think, I'm not all, I'm not even half wise, not to mention all wise. I don't know why I keep looking over there. I think I'm going to get an answer from the east or something. <laughs> uh, it's just a wall to my left. There's no one in the room. But I, I don't think that forgiveness necessitates repeat behavior. Mm-hmm. It may mean I expose myself to some things, but it may not be equivalent risk that I expose to. Mm-hmm. If a child has been molested by a parent, I'm not going to leave that child alone with that parent. But at the same time, I may believe, have confidence that the person can be rehabilitated Mm -hmm. and and not feel that all of their life, they have to live out of that deed of of harm that they did. Um, So that was one thought I was struggling with. And I I wrote down forgiveness may not equal uh, uh, equivalent risk. I wanted to say you brought up so much. Before you go there, can I I respond to what you just said? Because I think that's that's really good. Um, And I think we sometimes muddle, or I can, I definitely have in my life, muddle these two words of forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, But they're, they're not the same. They're not the same thing, right? Like forgiveness particularly in this pet in this passage right like for the master to forgive the servant that meant that he was going to take the loss right that he was going to take the loss of not getting you know um that 10,000 talents from that servant that he, was he released gonna, him he was that's why he released him and he was going to he was going to bear the burden of not having that money returned to him what we mm-hmm. see with the, the servant and how he engaged with his fellow servant is that he was not, he chose not to release him of his debt and to uh, therefore incur the burden of it. Um, and so that's, that's forgiveness. Uh, we see that with Jesus, right? On the cross, he, he provides forgiveness of sins for the entire world. You know, like for the entire world by getting on the cross. However, the entire world is not reconciled to him apart from faith and repentance. And the same should work in our relationships with other people. We can offer them forgiveness for what they've done. And in doing so, we say, hey, I'm going to incur the burden and the debt and the pain that you have caused me. And I'm not going to hold you accountable or respond, you know, like. Or, and I'm not going to put it over your head. I'm not going to choke you in a corner. However, reconciliation is a different step, right? And if you don't show, you know, uh, uh, that you, one, can see what you did, you know, like that you can agree that, hey, this is the faith part. Like, hey, what I did was wrong. And I have a sense, you know, I have some sort of remorse about that. I'm going to agree with you about what happened. But then the second thing is that comes with that is is that if they don't show uh, some level of repentance and changing in their behavior, then that that kind of goes off for me in my head that, hey, reconciliation may not be possible. Forgiveness is always possible. Reconciliation 
not so much. And so um, I definitely thank you for saying that because I don't want people to be stuck in in relationships or in circumstances that they don't need to be stuck in. But forgiveness and reconciliation are, are two different um, things. Uh, we can always forgive people, um, but reconciliation, that's that's that may not be possible because that requires two people. And so if the other person isn't able to to see what they've done wrong and if they're not willing to repent of it, then, you know, uh, at that point, you don't move forward relationally, in, in my opinion. Go yeah. Uh, and I honor and respect your opinion. I think it's such an individual case thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I surfaced it, but I can think of exceptions to it um, with the child. I don't think I'd ever take a risk with the child's safety, even though there's, you know, I may not bring it up, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I wouldn't go back to that risk. Absolutely. But I, I, I was thinking of another situation uh, and I, I was debating about how, how heavy to make our sessions. Uh, I have, <laughs> you know, our children used to come in the room. This is not to, Okay, this may sound bad. I'm not trying to put down your generation, anybody else. But <laughs> old folks used to say, this grown folks talk. And they used to say stuff like, don't be looking at my mouth. This grown folks talk. So now I'm going to do a little grown folks talk, but I'm doing it publicly. Okay. Um, had a, um, a, a situation within the last four to six weeks. And the person called, it was a, a, a pastor who called and they just wanted to have some dialogue, but they were never... Um, really open about what the injury was, what the thing was they had done that they, they just wanted to know, shouldn't, shouldn't um, person, and this, uh, this could be anywhere in the United States. I'm, it's not a pastor that I share pulpits with. So let's get that clear. It's not in the church where I serve. Uh, I work with pastors internationally, as a matter of fact, uh, I want to say it's not in the ministry where I am. This person's not a pastor there. So, so that you get that clear. Uh, I want to hear that on Larry Reed and nowhere else. Um, but uh, whatever this pastor had done, it had grievously affected uh, his marriage. I can surmise what I think it was, but they didn't say and I didn't ask. And their question was, should not my spouse forgive me? Should not, shouldn't they forgive me? And I, of course, said, well, yes, that's a process. Sometimes forgiving, you forget. Just I forgave you yesterday. I may have to forgive you all over again today. It didn't die just because I forgave you. It comes up. So I need that 70 times seven. I may remember it and have to go back through a process of forgiving whatever I lost or the grief that was associated with it. I said, but because, and the person never gave me a detail, but because there's forgiveness, doesn't mean you're entitled to restoration, which I think is what you're talking about in reconciliation. And supervising ministers and pastors, as as with other people, you know, we we like to beat up on preachers sometimes, but they fall from glory if they ever were at a glory state. They fall from the pedestal that we may have artificially put them on, but they fall from grace as all of us come fallen from grace. Um, And in the cases, in some of the situations, where I've had to work as a counselor uh, in other denominations or movements, more so before I came to Texas uh, over jurisdictions, there would be infidelities or other things that really were uh, backslidden from the calling of the person. And we're all mm-hmm. capable of, of, of that. But I would recommend in some instances, you've, you've gone through counseling, you've shown reasonable remorse, you've done whatever, um, 
but I don't recommend you go back in the pulpit. That was generally met with disdain. Like, well, then I'm not forgiven, forgiven if I don't get to go back to where we were. So you don't automatically get restored back to shepherding people because mm-hmm. you're sorry for what you did. And I think in ministry, sometimes I think people should be fully restored. Other mm-hmm. times I don't think they should be. I think it depends on the situation, who the audience is. Some things I don't think we expose to the public. You don't just expose everything. If it doesn't need to be exposed, you don't hurt people that don't need to be hurt. But I just I just wanted to drive home what you're saying so eloquently, uh, and you're calling it rest the re- reconciliation, that 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 there is no entitlement to, mm-hmm. to that. And I think where it comes home very much so is in marriages. People mm-hmm. say, well, they, they didn't forgive me. They keep bringing it up. Well, they need to try to work through that until it doesn't come up. You, now, if you borrow some money from me, I want you to pay me. As you heard, Ms. Yana, I'm not taking the debt on me. Pay me back <laughs> my money. I, I want to I insert that in here. But I do know the wisdom that they say don't lend money unless you're already at a state that you can handle it if it doesn't come back. So I have adopted that. Mm-hmm. I try to lend to the amount that I'm willing to assume and take on myself, which means I lend very low. Uh, I, I just be honest. Uh, but but I do lend because I need from others as well. So uh, I hope I didn't drag that on too much. But oh, yeah. that that was one of the things you, that brought up. Uh, I also see in a contemporary way, what we're talking about is re-entry, whether it's a pulpit or whether it's prison reform, because these kind of issues stay on my on my mind very heavily. What what constitutes re-entry? Do, once I've done my prison time because I stole a candy bar and I got sentenced for 11 years and uh, I face, uh, well, um, this, I was looking for a name, but we don't know the name, the parable. This servant, this slave who was for, had his debt forgiven, notice he becomes judge of his fellow person. He becomes jury and he becomes executioner. And if you can find a way to lock that into three branches of government, they all act like one. And that ought to say something to us when, mm-hmm. when the court, the, 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 the Congress and the uh, chief op- administrative executive officer of the country seem to all function as one. If that happens, that can be very dangerous. So he has taken all of that. He's decided, he's executing, he's the jury, he's executing. He puts his hands around the person's neck, his knee on their neck. Whether we have law enforcement uh, becoming the court and the executioner on somebody who was doing something on the sidewalk all at once, we see that, that parallel to the danger that our systems could potentially come to. Is that kind of clear what I'm saying there? Yes, ma'am, it uh, is. But, but it there's is. an issue of re-entry uh, for those who come out of prison, having paid their debt or having an early release, what are they entitled to? Do we rehire them? Do they forever not, are they not able to vote? Must they always on job applications uh, acknowledge that they've spent time in prison? Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't want to answer that because I think it varies what they're going to do. Your child molester, we're not going to make you the kindergarten teacher. We don't want to. But uh, but, but there are some things that we sometimes make it difficult for people who have uh, supposedly served time to re-enter. So how, how does one re-enter and recover? The other thing that hits me, and it's not different than what I've said, 
But uh, I thought about that book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paula Freire. When the oppressed become the oppressor, look mm -hmm. out. Uh, when the slave becomes the slave master, when the person who is resented not having an opportunity finally gets to be a boss on the job, they can be vicious. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, when the janitor gets two keys uh, and they have no power anyplace else, uh, when, when, when our little circle of power is the place we must become king, which is what he does, mm -hmm. how fearful that is for our peers and our companions. If we, if we don't, you know, you were talking about creating those hierarchies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it almost suggests that this king is less to be feared than the person who assumes power without having the right heart mm -hmm. to go along with power. So it's power unchecked. It's power without guardrails. It is, here's my opportunity to, to swing a, a Philly stick, a nightclub, to make up for the abusive dad I had uh, mm -hmm. as a child. So mm -hmm. all kind of um, dysfunctions can get worked out when we are in positions um, mm -hmm. that have gone unchecked. Uh, yeah. it, it's reminding me of criminal things uh, mm -hmm. in, in Oakland where I, I can't judge the case. I'm not trying to judge it. I'm just trying to set up scenarios, um, but where, a policewoman allegedly was tired and allegedly went to the wrong apartment and uh, did not recognize that it wasn't her doormat or whatever, did not recognize going in the apartment, did it didn't look like her place and shot a man in his, I think he was sitting in his relaxed clothing, eating ice cream, mm -hmm. uh, or they broke into a home in Fort Worth uh, mm -hmm. doing a, a welfare check and saw movement behind the screen and shot in and killed the woman who was there taking care of a, 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 a sick relative. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the stories go on and on. We have one this week in Plano. Um, mm -hmm. So I wonder about when we have power uh, that we have seized or that the system has given to us mm -hmm. and we have these unmet needs and these unhealed uh, leprosies and these, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, this, the, the power is dangerous in the wrong yeah. hands. If it's not, if it does not yield itself to a humble hermeneutic, mm -hmm. Jew three project, if it does not exegete life in a way that is uh, a forgiving heart of God. Yeah. Yeah. These are, man, these are really good. Um, I thought this was a parable. This yeah, stuff yeah. Is heavy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these are really good uh, thoughts and questions that that you're leaving us with to to consider as we wrestle with um, this parable even the more. Um, two two closing thoughts for me. Um, one, I, it's it's amazing to me how quick the servant forgets the grace that's been extended to him. I mean, this this parable moves so fast. Um, it says, you know, that uh, the the master of the servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. Next sentence, 
that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him. He found years. him. He went looking went, went out and found him looking for him. It wasn't like he just ran and ran I'm into him. Somebody up today. You know, he had he, he woke up with violence in his heart. Right. <laughs> so, um and so it's just this 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 yeah this this forgetfulness and we see that over and over in the scriptures of just how we as humans can be so forgetful um which is why I love love the uh, exhortation that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily because it reminds us of the grace that we've been given. And from that, we are able to extend grace to others. So you were talking about formation. That formation comes from meditating and reflecting on the goodness that God has uh, extended to us, you know, practicing Thanksgiving and, 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 and remembering how the Lord showed up for you today and, that it was by your grace that he got by his grace that he got you through that day and not not your own work. And so that's one thing that um, that that stands out to me um, immediately. And so I would I forgot the other thing that I said. So it's just gone. Um, <laughs> I, I have one more little one to assert, but after you keep going, um, no, keep going. No, I was just, I was going to wrap us up. So go ahead. Um, I envy these people. You know, as social justice says so much on the surface, you've figured that out by now, of, mm -hmm. of uh, and demanding my attention. They, his, his, when they saw he was doing wrong, it wasn't a don't, whatever, don't tell, don't see, don't tell, or whatever. Mm -hmm. The people immediately reported it to the king to say he didn't do right. I envy the fact that they had a place of objectivity to take their concerns. They had a, a, a court of appeal where they could go. And I wonder, do we have that the way we need to have it? I don't know. Maybe in some places we do, some places we don't. But it was just so wonderful that they could go and request accountability. And there was accountability. Mm -hmm. And this person's uh, deed was judged to be wicked. Um, now, with the Lord, we have forever an advocate. Amen. And forgive my using, I, I could, should say, I'm saying God, he, God, he, I have no problem seeing the maternal side of God, but God in, in God's infiniteness does hear and according to the word is the righteous judge. So Amen. we do have an advocate with the father and have a righteous judge. But since the kingdom of heaven is like, and we supposed to try to make this like the kingdom of heaven, it would be good to feel that we have righteousness, right standing uh, in the court where we swear on the Bible uh, in our other dimensions of our society. So I envy them for being able to go to a place of natural appeal, but I'm grateful that. we have a heavenly place where God is able to bring us to Amen, that. amen, praise God. Um, mm, that was good. I'm glad I'm glad you shared that that last thought. Um, well, friends, um, that's gonna be it um, for, for now. Um, yeah, and we look forward to continuing uh, our conversation on humble hermeneutics um, next time. Hope to see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Humble Hermeneutic, a Jew 3 Project podcast with Dr. Cynthia James and Yana Connor. 
Remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And also remember that you can become a monthly partner or a one-time giver of the Jude 3 Project at jude3project.org. Every gift helps equip and helps us produce more content like this. In addition, if you would like to get merch, take an online course, or get our curriculum, you can do so at jude3project.org. Remember, here at the Jude 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. God bless.